Welcome to Reimagining Ceremonies, a podcast by Entheos. I'm Karen Dempsey. And I'm Fred Curtis, and we're here to start conversations about reimagining ceremonies. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reimagining Ceremonies. Big surprise, but I'm Fred Curtis. And I'm Karen Dempsey. <laughs> and today we are joined by someone we've been wanting to get in for a while, and we're actually going to explore a topic that we've been wanting to explore for a long time, but we haven't found the right person to discuss it with. with. Um, we approached our guest to come on and we said, there's so many things we can talk about. What do you think? And they raised this particular, I'm going to say issue. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. we want to talk about that, but we haven't found the right time. And I can't believe the only person who doesn't speak Irish in the room is oh. about to introduce oh. and say her name, <laughs> but I was practicing it on the way down the road and it's okay if I get it wrong. Lisa right. Nick on Rev. Beautiful. Yay. And Ferg also corrected someone recently. I do that silly Irish thing of being like, oh, you're grand. And Ferg was like, no, no, you said it wrong. So say it again. Ah, <laughs> like, yes, yeah. Ferg. Love it, Ferg. Standing yeah. up for the Gaeilge. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't speak it, but I'll stand up for it. You don't have to be a Gaeilge fluent, whatever the hell fluent means to yeah. have a bit mm. of grow for it. Yeah. yeah. I have my cupola. We had our tall badges. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere exactly. in your bones. Lisa, yeah. how are you today? We're late on a Friday evening. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, but yeah. we're in such a beautiful space and it's warm yeah. out of whatever hell this is of September <laughs> of just I know, the awful, weather is weather. pretty it's shocking. So nice to be in a lovely space. Yeah, and both myself and Lisa have been drowned today. So we're sitting here wet, <laughs> but warm. But Karen turned the heating on. I yes. sat here in the heat looking for a charger, Aww. not realizing there was one under my nose for the whole time. But at yeah. least I was warm and dry while you two were out phone. in your adventures in the wet. Exactly. And they're charging away nicely now while we chat. <laughs> yes. You'll have... a selfie before you go. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Very important. Yes. Lisa, do you want to introduce yourself? And what we always ask our guests is, this is Karen's thing, but I always end up saying it. Is it? Um, introduce yourself in a way that you might have never introduced yourself oh, before. That's different really to usual. Nice. Yes. Oh, Who wow. is the real Lisa? Who is the real <laughs> Lisa? Okay, well, I'll start with some basics and then I'll come up with something different. Um, my pronouns are she, her. Um, I am a dub. I, I Actually, that's a way I don't introduce myself. I have that on my Twitter bio because it's important to me that I am a dub and I am proudly from Dublin, even though poor Dublin is in a sad, sad place at the moment. Um, I am very proudly dub and I never introduced myself that way. So that's mm. funny. That was the first thing that came out. Um, and I work with a number of different organizations like both of yourselves. Yes. Um, I um, work with Pubble by day uh, on social inclusion and inclusive employment programs and communications. And then I work voluntary with Shoutout and Equality for Children, two charities mm-hmm. working on all things LGBT education, awareness, legislation, improving, shall I say. Yeah. Um, and I also run the Shout Out podcast, uh, supported by yourself, Ferg. Uh, shout Out, listen in. Yeah. Fabulous. Mm. Um, I think we teased it, but do you want to actually introduce the topic that we're mainly going to explore today? We can go in whatever direction we end up, but the one we kind of discussed was Lisa is getting married congratulations (laughs) thank you um and you have noticed in the world as you've been planning (laughs) your wedding um a word we use here very regularly which is heteronormative do you want to maybe talk about 
the areas we're going to explore yeah. today. And I'd love to come back to the word heteronormativity because I hosted a panel today with the wonderful International Dublin Writers Festival, who were so kind as to allow us. They must have given us 90 minutes in the end, but it was supposed to be an hour slot. And somebody raised the question, I'm sorry, I don't understand what heteronormativity is. And I had to write that down and, and explain it. And it was really interesting to... Well, why don't you so. go there now if you want? Well, I'd um, love to hear your opinions on it because I have heard you kind of touch mm, on it, as you say, in the mm. podcast. Like for me to simplify it for this person in just a chat over a drink after the panel was, I just said, it's how I suppose the world is so catered to and expects that we are all cisgender and hetero heterosexual and therefore the world is tailored to that specific sexuality and we have to as queer people sometimes then navigate services mm. products all sorts of things the world in general in a different way and we have to have things sort of altered and changed for us because things are that yeah normalized right but but yet i felt there was so much more I could say. I, I think, well, think? that's exactly what we're going to explore today is in mm. the wedding industry, how things can be very heteronormative, which you have experienced, which we'll go into. But I suppose, yes, the word heteronormative. Mm. Woo, when you're not mm. ready for the question, when you're one, not, when you're not planning. Do you want to kick us off, Karen, or I'm happy to? I'm like, I'm so ready for the heteronormative <laughs> discussion. <laughs> you go and let me Define. formulate what I, <laughs> yeah, what I actually yeah. want to say. Yeah, because you'll have a different take than I, <laughs> yeah. than I will. Um, but yeah, I've been working in the area of ceremonies for mm. like since 2013, I think. And one of the things that's been driving me nuts since I began is the heteronormativity of the ceremony world, which is the heteronormativity of the world. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it extends mm. it, like the simplified version of the heteronormativity is that, yes, as you say there, Lisa, everything, everything in our society is geared towards a family unit where... And I, I say a family unit even because it's just not geared towards single people. Mm -hmm. It's geared towards everybody moving towards being part of a family unit, which is a man and a woman and 2.4 children. Mm -hmm. And that's the standard. And when you then allow life to fall from there, so many things don't fit that box. Mm. I mean, we're, things like fertility treatment, things like... Um, thing, I, and I mean, when I say that, that is a huge piece mm -hmm. because I really want to... Don't start Poke, me either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from the when it, when it comes things. to single people, I'm yeah. really annoyed about how things are going for so many yeah. single people are having kids now with fertility treatment. Anyway, we digress yeah. already. Yeah. And <laughs> the stigma of infertility within mm. the heterosexual mm. world is so incredibly painful and huge. Mm -hmm. And the, the, like, there's all sorts of different... Anyway, yeah. I'm going on a tangent already. Look, for yeah. Virgil is not going to No, tangent. that's okay. Go but, um, for it. But you're right, actually. It's even broader than... Uh, tailored to heterosexual people it's tailored to heterosexual people who fit that mold yes. and if you don't fit that mold and if you don't have a partner or whatever it is or if yeah. you have more than one partner then you're out as well like you know yeah. you're, it's yes. such a restricted world yeah and we said we were only talking about this recently like about how within the fertility world for queer people there is a transparency there that's mm. pretty much all it, there's much more transparency there because yeah. It's not such a surprise that there's a donor, either donor egg or donor sperm. Whereas within a heterosexual world, the stigma of saying that there's mm. a donor involved mm. is huge. And the consequences mm. of that for those kids is different to the consequences for kids who know their origins. I know I've gone completely on a sideline, but this is where heteronormativity mm. is so much more than just the presumption that a couple is a man and a woman or a family mm. unit is male, female. Um, 
and they have kids on a certain and age. they have kids <laughs> and that their goal That's is kids yeah yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah 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 you yeah, know even yeah. that the goal is kids yeah. not everybody wants to go that route um and then also as you say lisa when somebody comes in to plan something within their life that the assumption is if one per- if i come in on my own say and the person sees me assumes my gender is female all that and presumes then by default that there's a male mm. partner somewhere mm. um or and you know and vice versa but basically that the assumption is that the baseline is a male female family unit with with kids somewhere in the picture um and i mean even with the funeral world it's very similar to that um somebody comes mm. in to plan a funeral mm. there's the assumption that there is some kind of partner and there's the assumption of all these things so the piece that really troubles me with heteronormativity within the wedding world is that it is to me it is such a straightforward step for suppliers to commit <laughs> to being more inclusive. You would think. <laughs> yeah, to, like, and, and you know what? Yeah. To commit to getting uncomfortable and mm. going, actually, I don't, oh, this is new language to me. Mm-hmm. But th- that they would follow their desire to be more inclusive mm-hmm. and learn. Mm-hmm. It blows my mind that mm-hmm. it is not baseline to say spouse one, spouse two. Partner. Like, Partner. There's so many words. Yeah. There's so much language so there. So many. The couple. <laughs> Use your English. <laughs> like, it's really easy to say the couple. It's yeah, easier to couple. say the couple than yeah, to say yeah, the bride yeah. and groom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. bride and groom, bride and groom. That your images don't have to be constantly cis, het, white, mm. slim, mm. able-bodied, male, female couple. Mm. That is the baseline. Yeah. And so the heteronormativity, although it implies gender, it extends to so much more than mm-hmm. that. Because to me, heteronormativity encompasses the social impression of what a couple and family should be. Whoo. Whoo. What's left to <laughs> say, um, Ferg? <laughs> no, I think that that like kind of encompasses it all. I suppose the direction I could talk about it is from a personal direction in, I feel like heteronormativity is another way of saying, you know, limitations mm. and boxing things and actually knowing we've been presented a certain way and we've been given certain rules and we've been told those things. And I will say, even in that, I'm still tied to a lot of those things. And calling back to a previous episode that we uh, recently recorded with Veda, um, just the idea of monogamy Mm. and having like so many different uh, types of relationships out there, but still in myself, I'm like, I want a monogamous relationship. I think that's what I want but why do I want that? And when it comes down to it being like, do I want that because I've been told that's the right direction and mm. that's safety mm. and I haven't experienced anything else, you know, or is that what I want, you know? And I think heteronormativity just as a queer person, I'm stuck in this world where I'm so proudly queer, but I don't always embrace the opportunities that we have as queer people in this you know, freedom that we have because I am from a very heteronormative upbringing and Mm. world. Mm. So for me, it's limitations. It's being in a box and um, it's society telling us who we're meant to be and Mm. not knowing then who we could be because of those things because you have to tear back so many layers and I'm so exhausted with all the work that internal work we have to tear back those layers and then you have to rebuild Mm. of actually just going well what do I want want which may end up the mm. exact same thing yeah. before mm-hmm. I tore down the layers. But at least you've explored it. But if it, at least I've explored it and I feel like 
I have my own limitations because of the heteronormative world that I grew up in Mm -hmm. that I'm only, I am aware of, but I'm only starting. It's very fearful to be like, well, let me see if I might want this type of relationship or let me see if I can explore my sexuality in that way or how I go about my day to day. You know, it's seeped in so many areas. And the more you think about it, the more you're like, wow, I'm so influenced by you know, I go to the gym every day because I want to be slim. Mm. Oh my God, that's mm. a terrible thing to say, but that's the truth. Or I want a particular aesthetic, you know, that I might never get because I'm built another way. Mm. And that's heteronormativity to me yeah. as well, because that's what I've been told. And the polyamory and all other types of relationships, it's such an interesting one because I find it mm. mad that queer people particularly but everybody like can explore all these options of like a man likes a man a woman likes a non-binary person etc 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 but they can't be open to relationships with more than one person like what is the difference you know and, i mm. i think i had limitations around that as well mm. and i think having a monogamous a monog these words <laughs> a monogamous relationship is something that i may be currently seeking more than anything else mm. But so many of my friends are in polyamory relationships and I get the privilege of sitting and asking them like we did with Veda in our last episode where we got where I got to go explain to me how. And when my friends or people in these relationships that I get to have these chats just go, well, this is how it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's very basic. It comes down to communication. It comes down to trust. Mm -hmm. It comes down to knowing where you stand. It comes down to your needs and it's exactly what a monogamous relationship is but in a different format that maybe opens you up to allowing you to be more honest with different types of needs that you might get from different Mm. people because maybe one partner can't offer you everything Mm. and then I also believe you know you've relationships with your friends that offer I'm a big believer my friends sent me the most beautiful thing this morning and I can't remember it it's a big long piece but it's basically like fall in love with your friends date your friends Mm. have crushes on your friends talk (laughs) about your friends like you're in a a love relationship with you with them because you are the thing missing Mm. missing the thing not involved in those friendships is the sexual romantic side but that doesn't mean you can't love your friends and have crushes on your friends and be excited to see them and we had a back and forth discussion about this and have intense connections with your friends Mm -hmm. but sometimes we don't allow ourselves to do that because we're like intense Mm -hmm. connections is for relationships that's for so we're even limited Mm -hmm. in in that and then there's limitations and i think this is so big in the queer community in you can only you have to be so tied to your family and so um, loyal to your family. Mm. And some, the heteronormative world would say that you don't, that same respect doesn't go for friends, let's say, which in the queer community are your chosen family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's really heteronormativity for me is just more and more limitations that I'm trying to break down, mm. I yeah. think. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, am and I when you challenge heteronormativity, sense? you challenge society. Yes, I think that's the yeah. piece. 
Yeah. That's interesting like, what you said, Karen, of like, it's, you know, the industry is heteronormative because society is heteronormative. Yes. And I hadn't even thought of that. And that's a really, it's a really good way to put it, you know. But I think yep. the easy way to go about it is to challenge industries or organizations mm. or things you're involved in where you see yeah. it. And then that will hopefully seep into society. Yeah. And I'd love you to maybe share, if you're happy to, Lisa, some of your experiences in planning your wedding mm-hmm. as a queer couple in, because in a heteronormative world that some people would be like, that's not a thing. Exactly. I'm so glad yeah. you said that, Ferg. Yeah. Because there are, I have been mm-hmm. shouting about this for so long within the wedding world. And so many people say, but that's not the way it is. I know. Everybody's I making much people more effort. We have gay weddings all the time. Yeah, we don't even mind if people <laughs> are gay. That's one line. That we had a lesbian wedding last week. Yeah, good yeah. for you. Or probably like <laughs> two years ago. Yeah, like. And you'll probably you'll tell us your experiences. But I was at a recent wedding that I was also attending and celebrating, and it was a gay wedding, uh, two men, and on the photo booth. It was Mr. and Mrs. Oh, my God. And we didn't really notice at first. And then people were like, oh, my God, do you see it says Mr. and Mrs. And then it was said to the person and they were literally like, but that's all we have. Oh, Mm. my God. And it wasn't. Do better. And yet there was one letter wrong. Take off the S (laughs) off the end of that. Boom. Stick the S back on later. It's fine. But you're planning your wedding. And I don't want to focus completely on the negative. So I think we will leave some yeah, space 100%. to talk about but the we will joy speak in about it. the truth of it. But could you maybe share some of the blocks or the walls you've come up against as a queer person in a heteronormative industry? Yeah, and I can talk about the two intertwined because I have to say yes. if I was to break it down and I'm not being that person because I don't do that of... Most people are nice. That's not mm-hmm. the approach I'm taking here. If I'm really honest and I looked back and I looked at the experiences I had, I felt it was at least for us as two white uh, women, which can be very different to other people, especially I constantly thought of my trans and non-binary friends and how mm. immensely more difficult it would be for them. But for our experience, I found it very 50-50 and it really balanced out. It was like every time we had a I won't say negative, I'll say challenging experience yeah. or an experience where we had to challenge and Mo and I will always challenge. And so they're dealing with the wrong people if they thought they could kind of brush these things under the carpet because we didn't with any of them. But then we equal parts had like wonderful people who were like really good allies within the industry. So that was great. And then we met so many queer people and I think 99% of our suppliers ended up being queer and that wasn't planned, but it just kind of happened that way. So like, but I love that you a, say there's an equal part thing. There, yeah, yeah, sorry to jump yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. I love that you say we didn't plan to have queer suppliers because going back to the heteronormativity, mm. I'm not like let's let's get the queer people on the pedestal. Yeah. And if you're in the heteronormative relationships, or if that's what you want mm-hmm. in life, then you have to go on the second pedestal because you've had too much time at the top. That's not what I want. No. It's the. It, Equality and what equality and equity, yeah. actually yeah. means. So I love yeah. that you're like, it just so happens yeah, that yeah, yeah. the majority have ended up Maybe being that's queer. We know lots of people. I, I don't know anyway, it, but we, yeah. <laughs> but you didn't set out with that, that intention. Yeah. You Even were family open. were involved, just happened to be queer yeah. family. You know, it was funny how it came together. But yeah, so it, like it was 50 50, but let's let's get to the like crux of it and, and let's be honest get to the and juicy be goss. frank about it. Like, and the things that, as you say, Karen, people like sweep under the rug and the things that like, 
on certain days were upsetting for us on certain days were infuriating for us on certain days I know similar experiences were even more like can be really upsetting for other friends as I say I I always thought of trans and non-binary friends because I just thought that must be such a difficult world to navigate but for us the really simple things like you know we had a tour of one venue like a 40 minute tour and we very clearly because you know sometimes people can make assumptions now of how people you know of people's gender or pronouns but we very clearly had stated that we were both she her and we were two women and whatever else but the person gave us the whole tour face to face this wasn't digital or anything this was a face to face tour repeating the words and the bride and groom sit here and the groom sits there and the groomsmen and oh I was like what gosh. we're right in front of you and like it was like she was just programmed to regurgitate these words and fair enough but like we have had gay marriage for almost eight years yeah. eight years yeah. over eight years yeah. Yeah. almost um, a decade so it's like you know at what point have you not thought to tailor this slightly <laughs> and it um it immediately we immediately wrote that venue off yeah. so like the message here for suppliers is get with the program where you're losing business there's a hell of a lot of queer people getting married and it just like it was just so it was i found it embarrassing for that person that they would be so like just kind of ignorant is how it felt you know to to address us that way um my partner mo will be wearing a suit and she has found the suit industry again equal parts she met a lovely queer person and is you know in the process of ordering her suit with that person who had had their own wedding and you know like that was gorgeous and then in equal parts like seeing suits so often with menswear or brand menswear written Mm. on the suit and thinking like your photographer on the day might take a photo of that suit and not wanting Mm. that and not wanting the word man associated with her and you know so like it came up in so many little ways but we (laughs) being the people we were and I kind of thought you know how many queer people versus straight people are in this industry and are planning weddings and a lot of queer people will have an alternative type of wedding I think that they don't go through a lot of these maybe more traditional Mm -hmm. suppliers so I thought we're here now so we better challenge it and maybe we'll make it better for the next person so every single time it happened we called it out every form that we saw that as you say Karen I'm so baffled by why it has Mm -hmm. to say bride's name groom's name although I do have a theory on that like why not just say couple's name why not just say partner one partner two or whatever else because Mm -hmm. for me I was like they'd change it and they'd say bride and bride. And I was like, no, because then what about other people yeah. who are not, yeah. who, who are neither a bride or a groom. Still gendered a language. getting married. Yeah. yeah. And it, um, my theory on that, because I've really thought it through a lot is I think there is <laughs> among people who get married, there's this like adoration of those terms, bride mm. and groom. Well, you're the bride. And, and, For the day, and we had yeah. this. Yeah. And I'm sure you have this in your world and some people love it and that's fine. But like, I felt uncomfortable when I'd go to venues and it'd be this, you must be the bride or, oh, you're both brides. And oh, we've two brides. So this is going to be difficult. And all of this, again, yeah. these yeah. like putting these like expectations and judgments on yeah. people. And it's like, oh, so every female presenting person who gets married is going to be the difficult one or is going yes. to be the you know like it needs to be glorified like or needs the, to be glorified yeah. oh and the bride will be in the center and I'm like I don't want to be in the center <laughs> at all mm. let Mo be in the center but she's also a bride so then where's the you know like it, it, mm. it's really funny um where else did it come up that was unusual forms and we questioned it and you know what like again nine times out of ten those that we questioned immediately came back and said so sorry this was an oversight that we shouldn't have done and we have 
done so many weddings with queer couples that we should have done better. And like gorgeous responses that actually mm. I didn't expect because we had one or two that were this defensive, you know, like we did a a, a queer uh, wedding campaign last year and I was like, oh, oh good for goodness. you. <laughs> defensive. And we learned nothing but, from it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so. that's the issue is if you come back with the Well, we did a queer wedding. Yeah. It's like, okay. So then why did this happen? Exactly. Like, and that's what that's I said. That's the question. That's what I yeah. said. Yeah. It's not like, then yeah. Then this shouldn't be an issue if you've yeah. done a queer wedding, if this has already come up. That's not a, just because you've done a queer wedding does not mean that now you're a total inclusive. Just because you stick a pride flag yeah. outside mm-hmm. does not yeah. mean you're inclusive. This is like nuanced things that is also individual to every person Mm -hmm. and equal to that if someone shows up like with couples that I work with and they're like I'm the bride I'm like great I will then say you're the bride Mm -hmm. and I'll say you're the groom because that is language language. it's your chosen language and I am so delighted to use language that is going to make you feel special and great on the day Mm -hmm. you know but what's the issue with going how do you want to be identified on the day? Identify yeah. seems yeah. really intense. Like, but what language do you want? What language do you want? Yeah. And what's the issue if there's a, you know, a man and a woman? Ident- yeah. They look out like a man and a woman. They look like the people in the posters. What's the issue with going? Are you bride and groom? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they'll probably yeah. just be like, yeah. Mm. Or they might be like, interesting question. I actually might think about that mm, you know yeah. yeah like it's and i think sometimes as well there's a there can be a tendency when it's when there are suppliers who haven't taken the step forward to be like by their own volition to be mm. more inclusive rather than oh we better be more inclusive if they haven't taken the step forward by themselves that sometimes there's this tendency to be like oh this is so awkward you know how, getting uncomfortable getting uncomfortable said, moving beyond yeah. the heteronormativity mm-hmm. becomes like this big deal and they have three different sheets this is a sheet for a bride and groom this is a sheet for how many sheets do we like, need come on the, your, your baseline you need yeah. one sheet exactly. Exactly. <laughs> your baseline form should be inclusive mm-hmm. and that's yeah. the bottom line and that makes everybody's life easier mm-hmm. and there's this perception that oh well then couples that have a bride and groom will feel bereft of it no they won't people yeah. see a form and they're like this there's no issue with it mm-hmm for people that it doesn't apply to yeah and it will all it does is makes makes the people who are generally excluded feel warm and welcome when they go mm. oh this place has made an effort or they're mm. like it's generally acknowledged and, and I it's would all the same stuff it's like where you know people feel that taking the word woman out of yes. certain legislation mm. or yeah. hse guidelines or whatever some take something away from them and you're just going like yeah. what is what is missing for you that that takes something away yeah. from you that you can't just be a human being you know and yeah. I like it annoys me that like we had to get uncomfortable like it was very uncomfortable yeah. I say it blase that you know we challenged everything and like people know I'm I'm confident about things That's like that exhausting. but it's still uncomfortable and it's still exhausting and I again was like why does the minority person in this situation have to challenge why didn't they when they were composing that email and attaching that form say hang on these are two brides I'm just writing to two brides why am I sending them the generic form that says bride and groom? And what's really sad as well is I think a lot of queer couples will just fill in that form and they might cross out the yeah, word groom or whatever. Yeah. And that's like, that's not their job, you know? Yeah. And and this is where it's like, can they all just not be? And you can have one form, but it can be open and inclusive. And that's yeah. the yeah. point. And I would challenge, you know, people are like, but you know, bride and groom, people love that. I'm like, if you just sent, as you say, partner one, partner two, 
how many people I would be, I would love to know a percentage of this happened of people who came back and were like, sorry, I would yeah. really prefer if it said bride and groom. <laughs> mm. I really don't yeah. think yeah. that's going to be an issue. What's written on the form doesn't make you a bride or a groom. Mm. You, exactly. you show up on the day and you own your space as bride or groom if that's what yeah. you choose. Mm-hmm. But what's written on the form is just And if you want to ask your celebrant, your guests, your suppliers to be like, yeah, call me a bride. That's great. And this stuff can be like, we kind of laughed about it and we're a bit annoyed about it and whatever else. But one of my friends, um, when he and his husband got married, they had like a really upsetting uh, time. And I think that needs to be kind of addressed as well. That like on the night of their honeymoon, they arrived in the place and they had that classic story that every queer couple has experienced somewhere in some part of the world or maybe some part of Ireland where they get to the room and it's, oh, but surely you need a twin room rather than a double bed. And they had this on their honeymoon night and the person pushed and pushed and pushed. And here they are like full of love. They've just gotten married. And they Jubilant. go to bed mm-hmm. like they had just gone straight on their honeymoon in that old kind of traditional way, like four weddings and a funeral. And they um, get to this place and this person just kept pushing. And my friend just said the night was ruined. The night was oh. ruined. The stay in this beautiful, fancy hotel was ruined. And it was just like, you can but really. what were they like, pushing? Like if someone goes, well, we've just gotten it. married. Yeah, they want to. We are partners. Know. What are they pushing well, You see, pushing I think at? sometimes queer people won't say that immediately. They'll just say, okay, and they're fair. protecting themselves. And these guys are a bit older as well. So they come from a different mm. generation who've had to be more careful. So I think the first step might have been something like, you know, but like, no, it, it should be a double or it should be a twin room, right? And they say, no, it should be a double. And then they say, are you sure? Like, and you're like, you know, and so this, gotcha. all these layers of conversation until they have to actually like slam the table and say, we just got married. We are, you know, and it oh. happened to Mo and I when we got engaged and we were traveling in rural sp- Spain and I had to like put my ring in his face and be like, we got engaged yesterday. Give us one bed. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy. But I just, it does, it can really upset and affect people. And it can yeah. like that changed their wedding night. And yeah. you can't ever go back on yeah. that because that person about just couldn't be open. Yeah. 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 It was sad. Yeah. And I think I, the piece you were talking about earlier on as well about the suits. Mm. I have um, one particular bride as well. A while ago, she was saying just how difficult she found it mm. to get a suit. And she said she went into some tailors and they refused to even measure her up because they said, we only make suits <gasps> wow. for men. Yeah. Like, but they're going to measure you with a measuring tape. Like, <laughs> What's the difference? What di- like really, mm-hmm. what difference? Yeah. And, then make, a lot, like, and then she can't go to a lot of the places that are, you know, what do they call them? Like off the rack because they're yes. made for men. Yeah. And they, yeah. they're so difficult to tailor then for a woman seemingly. Or maybe they're not, or maybe that's another story. But yeah. so like, it's like, where do, where do people go then? You yeah. know, and the heteronormativity of even what you wear on your wedding day. Mm. Like yeah. what about somebody yeah. who might want to be, want to wear a dressy style rather than a male presenting person might want to wear a dress mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. or a female presenting person that wants to wear a suit style yeah. or yeah. mix and match or half suit. I mean, sometimes you see amazing things on social media that people have mm. made the most glorious combinations. Yeah. yeah. I love to see that. Love that. Um, yeah, yeah. But we need more suppliers who are like, come to us and let us be creative. Let us mm. design with you. Mm. I would think that would be exciting for a wedding designer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but there's yeah. a gap in the market, people. Come on. Yeah, there is a massive like, gap in the massive. market. That's one thing I learned from it. I was like, we need more inclusive suppliers and we need more queer suppliers to be there because queer suppliers inherently understand all of this yeah. and yeah. Uh, 
and yeah just more inclusion i think even beyond the ceremony world we kind of spoke about this is if you're looking for more genderless clothes mm. it is it's it's tricky like so i tricky. had a wedding um there at the end of august and it was for a friend of mine and i was saying the wedding and i was like okay i just want to go buy something I hadn't ordered, I hadn't thought about it, but I was like, I also don't want to wear anything that I already own. I'm just mm. not into that. So I went up and I honestly walked around for about three hours in Dundrum mm. and I just was like... Which is a huge shopping center. Huge. <laughs> you would think. Yeah. Mm. And I was, I was like, just walking like between the same three shops because that's what I narrowed it down to. And I was just like, nothing feels right. And I mm. was kind of like had like a kind of specific idea in my head but I just couldn't mm. and it's that thing oh well that is built into my brain that there has to be an element of me wearing a, some sort of suit to seem formal mm. Mm. you know and that really it pisses me off because mm. you know sometimes I'll pick something that isn't a suit mm. And people be like, mm, it's more of a formal wedding. Oh God. So and the, I'm like, a normative signal for formal. Yeah. Is and I'm like, okay, but this is a really nice piece yeah. of clothing mm. that I think mm. is very dressed up that I wouldn't wear in my normal day life that yeah. like, it's a lot of thought and effort has gone in. It's like just more of a formal wedding. I'm like, so you want me in a suit and a shirt, mm. you know, and it mm. took like forever. Mm. And mm. I was just like, and that's, I think I spoke to you the next day, yeah. Lisa, or maybe yeah. possibly that evening. And I was just like, there is just, it's so hard. Like, yes, there's stuff online that you can go on and be like, I'll order And stuff. a lot of it is abroad. Like, so you're Bro dealing with yeah. extra charges. And, but if you and just, they're expensive. And they're expensive. <laughs> really good stuff. Yeah. But like, so it's not But if you just want to pop in and get mm. something genderless in your Dundrums, in your Liffey Valleys, in your planche, it's. It's so a trek. It is. And it's time consuming. Mm. And it goes mm. like right down to, again, the granular that some people don't realize, like a lot of women who are androgynous or aren't into yeah. the super mm -hmm. femme clothes, like, like there's different things about like the size of your boobs and, and how a shirt fits you or how yes. a like mm. jumper fits you and things like that. And so there's so many intricacies. And so this is where it's like, can we just have more like, you know, clothes that maybe would fit? different people differently and wouldn't necessarily accentuate the quote unquote feminine figure or the quote unquote masculine build or whatever, that it yeah. would just be more fluid and open and that designers would kind of aim for that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And the, the thing is within the typical masculine figure, typical feminine figure, mm. even that to yeah. me doesn't exist because yeah. I'm like, mm. everybody yeah. is so different. Yeah. Like every, you know, someone, if you had one top and then, five different people tried on the same top. It would yeah. just be a different top on yeah. every single person. Yeah. yeah. For, and that's actually something I, I find really positive about the, I'm, I'm looking for a ivory dress, very classic, but very simple, uh, sort of a slim dress. And I find it so beautiful how, um, a tailored item of clothing will just fit anyone mm, beautifully. Mm. And I've like trying on wedding dresses. I'm so pleasantly surprised because they'll, pin it in such a way that it'll look the way it probably will mm. when it's tailored and I'm just going like all of these suit me whereas I could mm. try on 20 dresses in the high street and none of them will suit me and I think it's that thing of like you know the clothes are there in those particular sizes and we could go on a whole other podcast about this and where all those sizes came from and that blows mm. my mind I listened to a great podcast about that 
I'll share with you after. But that thing of like these sizes, they're so restrictive and they don't fit 99% of us. Mm. And so like when you then tailor something, whether it's a suit or a dress or whatever, it like, you know, it's so beautifully flattering. And it's and so it makes people feel Amazing. comfortable yeah. and special yeah, 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 and yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah. but I do think my housemate actually fair play to her. She buys stuff off the high street and the, mm. all the shops and the normal stuff. Um, and she has a really gorgeous figure, but she goes and gets the majority of things tailored. Yeah, and she yeah. always looks mm. amazing because she mm-hmm. always it's always fitted to her figure and she and doesn't throw stuff out all the time i'm sure yeah. like mm. you keep stuff far longer when it fits you better yeah. too and yeah. mixes and matches she just great and knows herself and was like okay i could buy that but this mm. needs to be done mm. and this then will make, and i love that and yeah but then tailoring is another expense i have a whole know? pile yeah. of things at yeah. home that i'm like i'm gonna bring them down to get them yeah. just, <laughs> just pile gets bigger and they never actually make it out the door yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taylor. Yeah, it's like, and you so, know what would be so interesting to hear as well, doing. like is like how trans and non-binary people or people who use they, them or ZZM or whatever else, other pronouns, how they navigate the wedding industry. I'd love if maybe they yeah. message you or something like that, yeah. because I think of them yes. all the time when I'm going, oh, it's two brides, is it? Or it's two grooms. Oh, yeah. we have two grooms. And like we went, <laughs> went to a wedding fair, shout out to our friends, David and Paul. They got engaged at the same time as us. And so the four of us went to a wedding fair together. Oh, and we had like, so much fun going. with that. Like so much fun. Oh. But we just said nothing. We just let them, the four of us, I forgot this actually. We, the four of us would go up to each supplier together and be like, hello. And they were, oh, uh, do I have two two brides, two grooms? Are, are you a couple? Are we? And we just let them like flounder at <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they all struggled with it. Like nobody was just like, "Oh, hey." Two I'm couples, amazed it was even you know? a question asked because I, I, I would oh, take it, it that they would just be presuming it's yeah. two male female couples, two hetero couples. Made assumptions looking at yeah certain yeah. parties in our group, which okay. isn't fair either. Yeah. Then you know what I mean. Yeah. But yeah. they yeah. all the assumptions. And look, we were holding hands as well. But <laughs> <laughs> we were. We were but it, oh my god, we had so much fun with it. When we needed to be two straight couples, we were two straight couples. But we I heard people, people as well going to florists and like say maybe two brides going to a florist and being told oh we like we don't have a package for this because the package is one bouquet and a set of buttonholes and that yeah. what are we oh going to do God. what are we going to do the world's yeah. going to end how could there be two bouquets or God forbid we yeah. make two Oh my, yeah, like, like it's like just the, such a simple answer. And that, that was somebody that said it at the wedding. It's fair more money, around. surely, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have a top tip there that actually I love that um, our local market, uh, a lady does flowers in it and she'd never done wedding flowers before. So if you can catch somebody like that who hasn't been in the wedding industry yet, <laughs> happy days. But she just said, I'll dry out some flowers for you over the winter. And I was like, and how much would that cost? And she was like, well, the same as my bouquets today. And I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> compared yeah, to what yeah. was out there. But yeah, again, yeah. like somebody maybe who's not necessarily, you know, don't, doesn't necessarily do wedding flowers could be really interesting to approach. If you do want, I don't know if both of you just want a little lapel thing or you yeah. don't need mm. a bouquet or mm. you're not doing bridesmaids or groomsmen or whatever yeah, that yeah. you like go maybe just go to an independent florist or a small florist or somebody who sells mm. flowers on the street corner and just yeah. you'd be surprised at what people will do as well and i think that's a brilliant thing to do um because i think that's what people end up having to do mm. because the piece there is at a wedding fair though you're not going to find it at a wedding fair yeah. this is the issue like i'm like why are people at wedding fairs all doing the same thing mm. surely mm. it's an opportunity to differentiate yourself from all the other suppliers mm. and be like mm-hmm. what do you need 
a whole yeah. load of buttonholes, a whole lot of, because yeah. even it could be two brides and nobody wants a bouquet. Everybody wants, you know, yeah. like, it's, yeah. like you can't even make any, that assumption. Because yeah. um, remember, we did the wedding fair, Ferg, and remember we had our yeah. inclusive stand. We did. We were literally the only stand that had queer people wow, on it. yeah. That had, well, you know, overtly being, you know, yeah. talking Open and having these conversations. Just, and yeah. we had our um, inclusive pride flags and we were very much like, we want to speak this language. We are we are not going to make assumptions. And we were just there, really. Mm. We weren't actually even, mm. we were just there yeah. to have the conversations. And um, the number of people then that told us these kinds of stories, you know, that they hadn't encountered. That they, yeah. That they were exhausted from going around all these stands yeah. and not meeting anything other than bridegroom, bridegroom. And, and let I me tell you, they write them off. They We wrote those suppliers mm, yeah. off instantly. Yeah. Like we had no intention of paying 1,000 euro to this guy for a photo booth, but he was at one of these fairs and he was like, please get a photo, get a photo. And we were like, okay, we'll get a photo. And he was like, I'll print it out so you can see what it would look like <laughs> on the day. We had no intention of ordering this anyway. But again, it had Mr. and Mrs. on yeah. it. And I was like, you know what? Even for today, when how many couples are going, coming through this space, like why not have the two options and why yeah. not have, or why not just have something a bit more generic? And that's, yeah. I hate that, that the wedding industry was built on such heteronormativity that it is really hard in a sense to break that down. Like Mr. and Mrs. is a phrase, like people bought us stuff in a really sweet mm. way saying Mrs. and Mrs. And I was like, oh, I'm allergic to the yeah. word Mrs. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. hate Mrs. I think that's really <laughs> cute. I love the idea of us being married, but I will never, ever, ever use the word Mrs. Mrs. Yeah. So it's like, why does it have to be that? You know, and like I read a kid's book the other day and it was like Mr. Lizard and Mrs. Squirrel. Mm. And it's like, why is she suddenly married? And why is yeah. she chosen? Why isn't she Ms? You know, so it's, it's funny, but like it is, it's yeah. definitely, a, it's built on such a heteronormative yeah. world. And I guess this is what, you know, some of our queer elders maybe talked about who weren't so supportive of the marriage referendum was, no, like, we don't want that. Like, we that is not the fight that we need. Because I totally understand that like, conversation. It, they felt it was, yeah, me too. And I didn't at the time. Me and neither. I, it was hard to grasp. Mm. But now you go, okay, yeah, because they knew like that the world was built for that and and to them marriage was just for straight people and like we yeah. look at marriage very differently which is great but i can see why they thought that because the yeah. world is so heteronormative like mm. yeah. the marriage the wedding and world mm. like now it like i'll just speak myself but like if i was to ever get married i would be like okay who will i have as Grooms people, mm. or like you know, and I flower would, men. That's flower a new yeah, one. Yeah, people yeah, having like big yeah. grown men throw the flowers. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Look but at like, my line. <laughs> I would think along those lines of like, how do I fit into that normative? I know I would do that mm. at this current moment in time, and I've heard from so many people of being like, queer culture can be lost if all the mm. queer people because we've been given this privilege oh it's not even a privilege of getting married but you know mm. it's now and oh given you can it. now like, given it yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. oh jesus i'm literally Thanks. spinning here <laughs> but like yeah, it's yeah. we might lead into because then we might be like mm. oh we're part of it now acceptance like it's mm. so deep-rooted there's so much stuff but it's actually like yeah great because we should be all equal and have that mm. but let's also remember the the queer 
the queer culture we have. Mm. Do you remember we had this conversation via voice note only recently where... Um, the best conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, myself and Ferg have like mm. entire... That's Ferg and I's relationship. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Most of my you relationships, let's be Ferg lives on I voice live notes. on voice I notes. I love <laughs> some like, mini podcasts. Yes. Shout out to voice notes. Yeah, yeah. mini podcasts. But, sometimes um, full podcasts. Yes, true. <laughs> I know the limit on voice <laughs> messages. They are 30 minutes. Oh you my can't no. go beyond... You've gone there. You've tried. No, I've gone there. Oh my God. This is why I love that messenger and Instagram, I think one of them definitely still does it. They're like one minute. Cut off. Like, no, okay, I hate I them. Hate, I used to hate, hate voice notes because I used to feel anxious because I didn't know what was in it. Now I embrace them because First I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, what we were talking about via voice note this day was um, with Entheos, with this organization, the baseline was to challenge, mm. to actively mm. challenge heteronormativity, mm-hmm. not to, to be different, yes, but to actually call it out when we saw it. And that's exhausting for me as a cis-het person doing that. So like, mm. And I'm happy to do that because I can only imagine what it's like to face it every day, blah, 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 mm. all the time. Yeah. Um, but on this voice note, I, we were, I was saying whatever about heteronormativity. And I said, like, why can't we just get to a place where it's like queer normativity, where that's the baseline? Don't oh, yeah. And then I caught myself. I was like, no, normativity is the enemy. Yeah. If you have queer yeah, normativity, exactly. then that's defeats the whole purpose of queerness yeah. because the point, I mean the point like, but um, that's bringing it back into now, there's a normative. There's a norm. Mm, it's yeah. so and there is no limiting. norm. Yeah. There is exactly. no, there, that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. It takes, there is, yeah. Yeah, I was at a norm, that panel norm today. Is the enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. I was at that panel today and I, I like to spice it up at language sometimes. I think the two of you probably do this as well. Um, mm. But like we had a panel of queer writers and publishers and then we had an audience and I don't know who was in the audience, but I just said at one point, I'm not going to assume you're all gay. So instead, or queer, yeah, I think okay, they yeah. used, mm. I, you know, but instead of saying, I'm not going to assume everyone here is straight. Yeah. So like, instead of going that heteronormative route, I said, I'm not going to assume that everyone here is queer, but you know, I imagine there are some queer people and some straight people. And then a lady came up to me at the end and was like, oh, is everyone in the room queer? Oh, I'm not. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> and like, I need to differentiate I... <laughs> myself. <laughs> but it's so mm. funny, but you're right. We don't need any norms and we don't need no, a no. queer norm. Yeah. We, you know. Like, yeah, just that's just buying into the heteronormativity yeah. in a reverse. Yeah. reverse it's about everyone just existing as themselves because in the queer community, everyone's different. Like straight people are different. We're all yeah. completely different. And it's just about having all this language to be able to help the world understand mm. a little bit more who you are. But it doesn't matter. And it shouldn't. There shouldn't be a hierarchy. But mm. also there's like the revolution like the energy of the revolution being mm. turn it all on its head, turn yeah. the heteronormativity on its head, shake it all up. Oh, like the anarchist bit. <laughs> like mm. kind of, turn it all on its head, burn it all to the ground. No, I know this is like, <laughs> I'm going big talker. Yeah. But um, all these institutions that have been so, they do need to crumble so that we can build something new out of the ashes of it all. Yeah. Now that's unlikely to happen. So we do have mm. to kind of, in real life, we have to work with what we've got. But I still, I do want them all to kind of crumble down. I don't, Mm. I think a lot of the frameworks that we have are so broken and Mm. damaging and so broken and damaging to everybody. It's not like all the hetero, all the cis het people are like, oh, we've got this fucking amazing life over here. You actually don't. I think you do because you've got more power and control, but actually the abuse and trauma and um, abuses of power and capitalism and all of that stuff mm, that you're subject to. It's so yeah. broken. Mm. So I think the heteronormative world should be looking to the queer community for the maybe inspiration on breaking out of all of that and mm. living a full life. And I heard such an interesting theory about 
because um, I can't stop thinking about our trans and non-binary siblings mm-hmm. because it's just so like, it, I feel like every day we're hearing about it and through my work with Shout Out and just through my friends and through just the world, like you're just hearing constant stories of difficulty for the trans and non-binary community in Ireland and abroad. And I heard a really interesting theory that um, people are cis and cis and or het people who are actively against trans people are like, they themselves have all this internalized shit about gender that like, mm-hmm. you know, I hate this trans person because I've had to be the yep. man who supported the whole household and I've had to fit the gender roles and you're playing around with the gender roles. Yeah. And it's the same thing that people had a difficulty with. People were exploring their sexuality. It's the same kind of thing. It's just like you get to break the boundaries of gender, but I didn't. Yeah. And, and that's why so many people are so angry. But it makes me so mad mm-hmm. when I hear feminists who call themselves feminists yeah. and are anti-trans because all of that stuff you're talking about, Karen, like that feminist was, feminism was rooted in this. And surely that's yeah. what feminism was about. And I'm sure people will disagree, but it like surely it's all the same stuff and the equality and the anti-capitalist and like mm. surely it's all the same. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be. Yeah. And that's it's a struggle. It's like it's bizarre. It's a bizarre take. I, I mm. really, And I struggle with it so much I mean we run the training and we've had to be we've had to redo our intake process so many times because we want to hear people speaking the language of inclusion and feminism and that take on the world that kind of a worldview yeah. and yet you can do all that and then still find somebody's a turf yeah then you find somebody is trans exclusionary when it's when you know mm. when they've said all these wonderful things and it all sounds great and so it all sounds so inclusive and you're like how can you believe all that and then turn around and say that mm. except these people yeah except trans people like and we see it all as intrinsically linked but they don't and that's mm. i'd love to understand that more and i'm sure some people are doing some wonderful phd research on it but it it's really interesting and i think sometimes i won't say for everybody i think sometimes it's just linked to trauma it's linked to yeah. yes. you know when i came out as bisexual i remember some of my lesbian friends being like no that doesn't exist you are this or you are that and they were so like angry in it and I realized it all just came from like it came from bullying it came from being forced to be one mm-hmm. or the other themselves Choose, and yeah like I know it's hard sometimes to empathize with people who are being so hateful and I really struggle with it. I think we all struggle with it but so often it comes from trauma it comes from mm-hmm. their own difficulties it comes from their own experiences in the world I just wish they wouldn't take it out on like yeah. innocent vulnerable yeah. young and old trans people I just yeah. wish they wouldn't yeah yeah. And I wish they'd just go to therapy and free counseling or something and yeah. sort themselves out because they're what they are projecting or when celebrities share their theories and I'm just having an opinion, but I haven't, it is not an informed opinion. I haven't researched this mm-hmm. opinion. I'm just sharing what I read or I chatted to one person about. It's so dangerous and it's so damaging. And we, we always say this with shout out that it like what you put out there, like you've no idea of the impact yeah on young queer people and like young queer people are already and especially young trans people are so much more likely to experience mental health issues to experience um feelings of suicide and whatever else so it's just like please don't put those things out there because you are having a really damaging yeah, effect yeah, yeah. and impact on those people do no harm mm. 
Yeah. There's so much harm done so easily and flippantly. <laughs> I know. Lisa, um, can I ask you, it might seem like a quite simple question, but I'd be interested to know where you'd go with this. What does it mean to you to be getting married? Oh, that's such a lovely question. Um, and it's something that I think you explore so much when you're um, in this wild world that I, I kind of like never saw myself in or do, I don't feel like I fit, which I think a lot of people feel that it's not necessarily as a queer person. I think no matter who I chose to marry, if I was having a quote unquote straight wedding, if I had met a man, I think I'd feel the same. I think when you when you don't um, feel like you want to be the bride and you want all of these things, sometimes you feel a bit like, what am I doing or how do I navigate this world or a bit lost in it? And then you have to just like clear all those clouds and just remember that like you're doing this beautiful thing with your partner and that that's what you want. And like um, I said to my beautiful fiance Mo that, you know, when she proposed, I was like totally surprised. She did get the element of surprise. I wasn't expecting it. And yet like there was nothing else I could have say, said because I always wanted to be married to her. I always wanted to enter that committed long-term partnership relationship with her and be recognized by the state, be recognized by our country, be recognized by our family as wives. And to use those words, wives, we, we really wanted that. And so I think for me, <laughs> I kind of forgot the wedding bit was in the middle <laughs> and mm. it's like, wow, there's a lot, there's a lot to do. Like so excited about it. It'll be gorgeous, but there's, there's a lot in that middle bit. But for me, it's like being married is the, is the key. And, and it really does mean something to me. And you know what, as like queer people as well, like we really want to have kids and being married or not married, even though it was used as a tool during the referendum, being married or not married doesn't matter uh, as regards legislation for having kids and being protected uh, as LGBT parents or families. But we know, looking around the world, how legislation has gone backwards, how rights have mm -hmm. been taken away. Karen, I saw you at the mm -hmm. protest for Italian mothers Viva recently. Viva la mama lesbica. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so for me, part of the reason I wanted to get married was to have an extra layer of protection. So even though it means nothing now, who's to say things won't go backwards? Who's to say some new legislation won't come in or people will push for something that you have to be married in order to mm -hmm. both be on the birth cert or whatever else? So it actually is another layer of protection. So it's, yeah, like fitting into society, but it's, yeah, I just want to be married yeah. to my best friend. Sometimes you have to play the game as well. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Listen. That was lovely. I just think it's such a lovely question like why is, what does it, it mean to question. get married um lisa thank you so much for coming in today thanks to um, you too for a gorgeous uh, chat and i also just want to give you a shout out because i think mm -hmm. groups and suppliers and whatever you want to uh, people within the wedding industry who stand out as being inclusive are far and in between but everybody remembers them so you remember those who are inclusive far more than you remember Aww. those who are exclusive and you really stand out. And with this podcast, like from day one, and that was, it actually got me thinking about how heteronormative it was listening to your podcast. And as an organization, you're so clearly just the right kind of inclusive. We all know Aww. that a lot of people are trying to be inclusive and it's actually not inclusion and they don't understand the meaning of the word really, as you say, the, the pride flag or whatever. But yeah. I think you really, you're really in, genuine and there's integrity there and you are to be praised for it so thank, thank you. you for what you do thank you lisa and i yeah. think just like not a typical irish thing of going thank you so much but <laughs> i think that we are also 
we're aware of areas that we still are growing in and trying to be more inclusive and um, making the space to allow those things that we're aware of to happen. So I think we're really, so it's so lovely to hear that, but just like every other organization always as well. Always more to do. Always more to do. That's true inclusion as well, is that continuous process. I suppose, and yeah. Thinking and reflecting and yeah, yeah. always growing. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much. Thank you so much. Oh.